Hey, this whole um, series that we're in across Curate is called Breath, and it's really about this. It's about encountering the presence of God in new ways, and it's, we're doing a few little things different. We're more intentional. Obviously, we believe for that every week at Curate, but this uh, month is about us being even more intentional about how we create space for people to encounter God, and so I'm excited to bring a message called The Spirit on Monday. If you're taking notes, The Spirit on Monday. I always love when people take notes because it makes what I say feel important. Um, had a big breakthrough this week. People started impersonating me on Instagram. So if you get like reached out to, I feel like I've reached a, a level of fame I've always aspired to. Um, always felt left out that other people fake ca- accounts were created in their name, but it finally happened to me this week. So if somebody's asking you for money on Instagram, I can promise you it's not me. Um, I never use an underscore in my name, and uh, so if you use the gram, you'll know what I'm talking about. But watch out for that. Um, The Spirit on Monday, last week, and I don't know, he might be here again this morning. It's fantastic if he is. God was cycling past our mount building here in the morning, and um, he was high on something. The team described him to me as he was pinging. So um, I don't know what that is, but I think it's a thing. Um... His pinging, and, and the, the I think it was the 10 a.m. gathering had already begun, and there was cars everywhere, there's people leaving from the 8.30, there's chaos everywhere, and he was like, what is this, to one of the team members, like, you know, he's intrigued by it, and uh, they said, well, it's a, it's a church, and he's like, oh, well, that's not really for me, and uh, the team member said, well, why not, and like had a little conversation, and he was like, well, do you reckon I could check it out? And so he comes in at the back and just sort of pings his way down the hallway, just banging on things and sort of like that sort of thing. And, um, and, and comes on in the back and uh, stays for about five minutes and that's all his pinginess could handle and that's cool. And, and, uh, and leaves. And as he's leaving, um, he said to one of our team members, he's like, man, I need some more of that shh in my life. <laughs> I've heard God talked about a lot of ways, not often like that, but I think what he's saying, probably every person in Fakatani in this room could agree with, that if God is love, if God is peace, if God is joy, if God is hope, if God is inspiration, if God is all of these things, we need some more of that. Shh. <laughs> in our lives. And I think that's probably something we all have in common here today and all listening in today. There's something we all have in common, whether we're in for the first time or we've been following Jesus for our entire lives, whether we feel like our faith is on fire or whether or not we feel like we're in one of those patches we would like to not be in and get out of. We could all agree that we need some more of God in our lives. We'd love to experience more of God in our lives. God's quite unlike fish and chips. You know when you order fish and chips and there's chips left over at the end, there's still a pile of chips in the middle, and you would say you're full if asked, but nobody asked you. (laughs) And there's still chips in the middle. And you're not like you're still, you're full, but because there's chips, you know you're going to keep eating chips. 
Like you're not going to commit. I don't know how in our family we don't do the plates. We just spread it out on the paper and you get your corner and you protect your territory, you know, like it's my sauce. It's my thing. Leave it alone, you know. You're not going to commit to what's left by dragging it your way unless you're a teenage boy. But, you know, like, and you're not going to commit to grabbing a handful and put it on your plate. But you are going to commit to destroying that pile one chip at a time. You're full, but you're still going to have more. And afterwards, you're going to have chip regret. It's like when you eat KFC. It's KFC regret. It, it smelt so good on the front end, but on the back end, it's another thing, you know. And God's just not like that. Like you can't ever get too much of him. You can't ever get too full of him. You can't. He, he's so, his depths are so profound that you could pursue him with your whole life for 70 years and not even have scraped the surface of who he truly is. You could have the deepest revelations of his love and there's still more love to find. And that's why we all need more of the Spirit on Monday. We need to just put some little theological anchors down in this message. The first is that God is three in one. His Father, His Son, and His Spirit. And depending on what you've come from in your life or what background, if you come from more of a traditional church background, you probably know a lot about God's Father and God's Son, but not maybe a lot about God's Spirit. And I hear a lot of people say all the time to me, man, I would just get it. Like, imagine if I could have just been alive when Jesus was on the earth. Like, I get what they're saying, but I don't know if they've really thought it through. No refrigerators short life expectancies, no vaccines, although there's many of you that would love that. Love our Christian anti-vaxxers. <laughs> there's not a lot of good things, you know. And Jesus actually said this. He said in John chapter 16, he said, it's actually better that I go so that one greater than I because the Godhead's always promoting each other. <laughs> so one greater than I would come. And in another place, Jesus would say, and he will guide you into all truth, and he will teach you what to say at the right time, and he will be your counselor and your guide. And so actually what God has left us with is the best. It's actually better that we're alive now than then, in Jesus' words, because God actually wants to relate to us by his spirit here and now. And that's what is common to every single one of us. And if you're here and you've become a person of faith, we need to like lay this down theologically, that um, you have actually been filled with the Spirit of God. That at the time you believe, you are filled with the Spirit of God because you cannot even confess that Jesus is Lord unless it's by the Spirit, the Scriptures say. And it says that when you believed, you've been sealed by the Spirit for your spiritual inheritance. And so there's this, this idea that once you come to faith, you receive an indwelling of the Spirit, but that doesn't mean there's not many fillings to experience in our lives. It doesn't mean that just because you've got a well, you've learned how to access it and draw water from it. Just because there's a river, it doesn't mean you've gotten into the deep end yet. And so that is the walk of learning to relate with the Spirit, is to learn to access more fully what has already been deposited as a believer in your life. Life. And if you're not yet a believer, then that is how we access and relate to God by His Spirit. You know, there's, if we want to experience more of the Spirit on Monday, 
And when I say Monday, I mean like everyday life. You know, like not just when we are reading our Bible or praying or worshiping or talking about things of faith with people, but I'm talking about experiencing God on Monday, like the getting up on Monday, the brushing your teeth on Monday, the preparing your lunch on Monday, the, you know, running the kids around, the doing the errands, the paying the bills, the the ordinary life. If you want to experience more of the Spirit on Monday, there's one thing we need to get, and it's that... Um, God lives somewhere. He lives somewhere. He has a realm he lives in. And, and if you bear with me, um, you know there's, there's two things going on in your life. There's what you're experiencing, and then it's the way things actually are. Have you ever realized that? There's always two things going on in life. There's what you think is going on in life, and then there's what's actually going on in life. There's what you think people think about you, and then there's the reality that they're not thinking about you. <laughs> there's what you think that, that they did something and you thought that they did it to intentionally hurt you. And then there's the truth that it was just a mistake and they didn't intend to at all. That We've got to realize this, that our experience isn't always the truth. That there is a way we experience life and then there's reality. And we need to know this, that God is the most realest real thing there ever is. He is the OG reality. Before there was your perception of reality, there was the reality of God. Before there was what we experience as reality, there was the reality of God. And God actually always lives and He dwells within the realm of reality, not in the realm of pseudo-reality, the pretend realities, the, the our truths that aren't the the truths. He lives in the the truths. That's why Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free because there's something about stepping in to God's realm. There's something about stepping into the way he sees it. You know, if you have a worldview that's not the way God sees it, it's not real. It's a fantasy. If you have a belief that's not the way God sees it, you might feel like it's so real, but it's not. It's less than reality. And if we want to experience more of the Spirit on Monday, we have to get way better at living in reality. We have to get way better at living in reality. You know, I feel like sometimes our life, if you've ever been on a merry-go-round or spun around a few times and you get a bit dizzy, right? Your experience might be that the earth is sort of tilting against you. But we know that the truth is that's not the way it actually is at all. That's just the way you see it and perceive it at that time. And so often we turn our perceptions into the truth, but we need to get better at living in the truth, God's truth. And so I have three reality shifts I want to just quickly talk about in our lives. If we can make these reality shifts in our life, I think we'll have a greater experience of God in the Monday of our lives. So the first uh, we can read about in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, I think it is. I'm going to find it here, not there, back this way. Know your Bible, Joel. Here it is. Okay. Acts 2, verse 38. 38, it says, Peter replied, 
each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to show that you have received forgiveness for your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Isn't that amazing? What well, If you could put yourself in context here, Peter is speaking to people who think they're pretty good. They are the Jews. They are the religious people. They are the people that have read the Old Testament of the Bible. They think they have a connection with God. They think that they're pretty much good enough, and they use their good and they think they're good enough because they look at the world around them and be like, "At least we're not as bad as those heathens." So we must be pretty good between us and God. And Peter then helps them shift into reality here where he goes, I don't know if you realize it, but you need to repent, which means to turn away from the life you've been living and to turn towards God. And you need to be baptized, which is the act of being immersed underwater, symbolizing like connecting with Jesus' death and his resurrection and the old person going, the sinful person going, and a new person, a new creation in Christ being born. That's what that's all about. And when you do that, you will receive the Holy Spirit. It's like you will begin to connect with God because you've shifted to reality. So here's the first reality shift is that we need to realize we're sinners in need of saving. And until we come to that epiphany, that reality shift, that we are sinners in need of saving, we're not pretty much good people who a little bit of Jesus would be like the icing on the cake and just make sure things aren't just good on this earth, but good for eternity. The reality, the way it actually is, is that all of us have sinned, which means we've missed the mark. We've fallen short of the glory, the standard of God, and are in desperate need of saving. Without His grace and mercy, find ourselves eternally separated from Him. And if we can shift this reality to realize we're sinners in need of saving, we find a Savior that's capable of saving, and His name is Jesus. And He offers His grace and mercy not to good people, but to anybody who wants it. And if we get that, then now we've shifted our worldview in alignment with God's worldview, and we'll begin to experience a greater spirit on Monday because that is the invitational pathway that he invites us on. The second reality shift we need is the reality shift, and it happens quickly after this one, um, is that we are the righteousness of Christ. So this is a big churchy word. Everybody's not churchy people. Thank the Lord. I love the non-churchy people uh, that say, that call the spirit a vibe. I love that. Uh, that's, that's my favorite when people come in and they're like, you know, a churchy person would be like, God was so moving in that gathering. Somebody else that hasn't been to church before would be like, man, the vibe, it's electric. And I'm like, yes. Like, you know, like, now we're, we're describing something is amazing. So anyway, um, we are the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness means like, really, as it sounds, we are the rightness. We are, we have been made right uh, in God's eyes. That actually, when we come to faith, what doesn't just happen as we trust in him as we get like a good seal for heaven and we've got a ticket to heaven. What actually happens is that our entire nature gets transformed and rebirthed by the Spirit and who we were as sinners, that reality, stops being a reality and a reality shifts and we now become the righteousness of Christ. It actually says this um, 
in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made him who had no sin, speaking of Jesus, to be our sin, our missing the mark in our lives, for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Jesus, we might become the rightness of God. Everything might be A-OK between us and God. It's beautiful. I don't know if you realize this, but quite often this is what happens to people in, in our Christian journeys. Before Jesus, before we have a true Jesus reality shift, realizing we're sinners, we attempted to think we're pretty much good enough, but a little bit of God can't hurt. But then people become um, Christians and they're all of a sudden, when they come get build a relationship with God, become overwhelmed by how far they fall short of His glory. And then we spend the rest of our Christian life thinking we're just never good enough for God. Something like weird flips. And it happens in every single one of us. And that's why we need this second reality shift. Because while we start as sinners, we don't remain sinners. While it's the way we enter in to begin to experience the Spirit, it's not the way we go on to continue to experience the Spirit. We need to have the shift that we are now the righteousness of Christ. In Jesus' baptism in Matthew uh, chapter 3, it says in verse 16, it says, After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy, who's, in whom I'm well pleased. And I want you to grasp the power of righteousness here because Jesus ain't done anything yet. He's just grown up in obscurity. I'm sure he's lived a pretty good life, but he hasn't fulfilled his purpose yet. He hasn't done a miracle yet. He hasn't helped a poor person yet that we know of. He hasn't fed anyone yet. And he certainly hasn't fulfilled his commission to die for the sins of the world. Yet his heavenly father, his heavenly father comes on in and says, this is my dearly loved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is what it means to be the righteousness of God, is to have this statement be your reality and to be my reality, to know that we are God's dearly loved son or dearly loved daughter, and he is well pleased just as we are. That's what it means to have a reality shift to righteousness when we come to faith in Jesus. That it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter. I know it's not your experience, right? Your experience is, oh my goodness, I wish I could get out of my head. Your experience is, oh no, I did that again. Your experience is, I can't believe I'm here again. Your experience is, oh, I stuffed that up again. That might be our experience, but it doesn't mean it's our reality. Our reality is how God sees it, and He sees you as his dearly loved son or his dearly loved daughter in whom he's well pleased. And the last reality shift we need is a reality shift in the realm of our emotional being, in the realm of our emotional being. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's a full spectrum of human emotions in, this, in our lives, are there not? There's like happiness and joy and there's contentment, and there's that sense of like when you're proud in a really healthy way of an accomplishment or an achievement. There's settled or feeling safe. There's these like emotions that were like, oh my goodness, those ones are so good. I want so much of those ones. Have you noticed how there's all of these other ones? 
like anger and frustration and pain and betrayal and deep hurt. There's those other ones. I've noticed in our world, and I don't know when it happened, but we started labeling some of them as good and some of them as not very good. Some of them to desire and to cling on to and to have and to possess and some of them to avoid and to run away from. I don't know when it happened, but we said that, hey, I know we're human and we feel all of these things, but these things are good to feel and these things are bad to feel. And then when we created those labels and our walks with God, we started going, well, these things must be godly and these things must be not very godly. And we labeled the full spectrum of human emotions that God gave us. We began to divide them between good and evil. I don't know if we realize this. And so we spend our lives running away from some and trying to grasp others, not understanding God made them all and not understanding that God feels them all. You know, God feels joy and God feels pain. God can be so happy and God can get angry. And here's the thing, if God can still be God, and feel all of this, why do we feel like less of Christians when we feel these ones? This is about a reality shift, and it might feel like a paradox to what I've said before, but there is a truth that is truth, and it's the truth that's going on inside of you. It's true for you. Your reality is the emotions of what's going on. We don't have to talk about whether they're justified or whether they're grounded or whether they need to change. That's all for another message. We do need to put a caveat that like our feelings shouldn't lead us in our lives, but they are great guides to being able to find God. I think that in our hyper-faith climate, we're getting further and further away from the reality of the human experience by making people feel like they can bring certain emotions to God, but making them feel less in our subtle ways that they have to hide the others. We can do that in all sort of subtle ways when we go towards people when they're like this, and we hold people at arm's length when they're like that. When we've got all the language, when people are like that, that says, well, one day you'll feel like this. Not understanding that God is in that just as much as He's in this. And if there's any actual truth that people find God and His depths most often a lot more over here than they do here. And we've always been a church that's been committed to living in reality. Understanding that you can bring the fullness of your human experience before God because you will only ever fully experience the Spirit on Monday when you stop pretending what's really going on in your life. I don't have time to go into all of the verses for it, but some good reading for you would be in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and the story of Hannah and her pain and how she didn't use it to run from God. You know, it's possible to be angry and not sin, the Bible says. So it must be possible to feel grief and not sin. 
must be possible to experience great, get, great pain and not run to the wrong places to try and band-aid it. It's possible to experience the fullness of that, that stuff that we wish we didn't experience, but we need to know that God created it and He can find you in it if you will stop pretending that you're somewhere you're not. Psalm 51 verse 6 says, Lord, you desire honesty in my innermost being. We don't just need a reality shift to know that we're sinners in need of saving and that we are the righteousness of Christ, God's dearly loved children, just as we are. But we need a reality shift in the way we walk out our faith to know that you can bring the fullness of your emotions before God and He's not going to be one bit worried. In fact, He's going to be very, very excited because once you start bringing them to Him, you'll start experiencing Him in them. So my encouragement to those going through deep grief, deep pain, deep struggle, deep guilt, you are not any less than those going through great joy. And God will not connect with you any less than those going through great happiness. So bring the reality of your situation to God. And you might just find that God was in the reality of it all along. You just needed to step into it.